Between March of 1963 and May of 1967, the Beatles released eight historic, groundbreaking, influential albums. In this short time, they went from making pop hits like Love Me Do and Please Please Me to the audio art of A Day in the Life and She's Leaving Home. The transition is staggering, but it's their prolific proficiency that impresses the most. The Rolling Stones released eight albums between April 1964 and December of 1969. They went from penning one song per album to writing masterful songs like Sympathy for the Devil and You Can't Always Get What You Want. But in the last 22 years, they've released only three albums and to varying degrees of acclaim. KISS released 11 albums between February 1974 to May 1979, but in the last 21 years, they've only released three albums. Metallica have only released four albums in the last 22 years. U2 have only released six albums in the last 22 years. In contrast, Bob Marley put out 12 albums in 15 years. Miles Davis released 51 studio albums in 41 years. John Coltrane released 20 studio albums as leader in 10 years. And Sun Ra, well, Sun Ra released over 100 albums in less than 40 years. I guess the point I'm trying to make here by stating all this is that there appears to be a direct correlation between a band's aptitude and prolificacy. Seems like a musician and or a band needs to constantly grease their wheels in order to stay compelling and potent. I always feel the music of yesterday was stronger and more dynamic. And perhaps it's simply because I've spent more time with it. But I would add that the constant production of albums made the bands vibrate on a higher frequency that opened up more creative channels on the right side of their brains, something you don't see anymore because of the staggered releases that amount to years in between albums, and atrophy claiming the best of bands. We live in an odd time to consume music. Growing up, I was dazzled by record stores. They were real candy stores to my eyes. I could spend hours in an old record store going through the bins, looking at the covers, and listening to the music that matched with the images. Record stores like that are long gone. There's some making a valiant effort to stay afloat, but growing up with record stores at every turn, it's sadly not like it used to be. Oddly, however, despite the closures... We live amidst an undeniable explosion of original music due to the ease and expediency of the digital age. Now, one doesn't need a massive recording budget to eke out a song on SoundCloud and have it take off. It's level the playing field a bit, and while you do get an overabundance of complete shite, diamonds can shine where they otherwise would not have been able. It's always also allowed for a wider audience to hear the music an audience who would never have been able to hear it in the past. But one thing remains true, prolificacy fuels aptitude. Never is this more accurate than Per Wieberg, consummate musician and superior rocker. A lot of people may know Per from his eight-year stay in Opeth as keyboardist and on such Opeth classics like Ghost Reveries, Watershed, and Heritage. But that's just a slice of Per's output. If you look up the word prolific in some dictionaries, it'll have Pear's photo next to the definition. His CV reads like a heavy music Bible. His membership in Spiritual Beggars and on albums like On Fire, 
Mantra 3, Ad Astra, and Return to Zero, to his stay in Candlemas, Pear is one of the reasons, whether you know it or not, as to why Sweden has become synonymous with heavy music around the world. His own bands like The Rockin' Mojo Bone and Kamchatka, and his guest spots on albums like Grand Magus, Green Leaf, The Bakerton Group, Arch Enemy, General Surgery, all help solidify Pear's reputation as the go-to guy if your album needs to be punched up from mediocre and fine to mesmerizing and fantastic. But for all his musical output, Pear has never stepped up to bask in the spotlight alone. The time has arrived. This year marks Pear's debut as a solo artist with the album Head Without Eyes. It's a six-song full-length on Despot Records that'll crawl under your skin with repeated listens and follow you in the shadows through its protracted dirge. I was interested to know Pear's process and how this was different than all his other musical output, what it was like to step out alone and walk the plank. I'm always curious how other people do it. With Pear's undeniable musical knowledge and experience, one can only sit back and take notes. So thanks to Pear for chatting with with me uh, and to you for listening to this episode. Please like and subscribe this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify or hell, both. Thank you. Pear Vberg is this episode's guest on the Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. It's better get his Danko school on telephone free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down. Down. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! It's fucking great! It fucking slays! Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts now! Hello. Hello. Pear, how you doing, man? I'm fine. How are you? That was a while ago. Uh, last I, I checked in with you, you were playing in Kamchatka, right? Yeah, I still do. You still uh, do. Okay, so now, yeah. what what made you uh, decide to put out a solo album at this point in your career? It was <clears throat> it was never really a a planned a planned thing. Um, I just had some time off and started to write some music, and then. After I've written a couple of tunes, I realized that this is not going to be anything that will fit with anything that I was playing with at the time. So I just I just ran with it basically, and uh, had some I got some kind of vibe, and uh, it felt like all the tunes were in some ways tied together, like the mood of it all maybe, and. Uh, 
and first I was going to name it like Head Without Eyes, which is now the title of the album. Yes. Uh, because I'm a coward. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it, it's a different thing when you played with bands for your whole life and then to put your own name on the, the album. Um, at least to me, it's a different thing. But a friend of mine sort of talked me into it when we had coffee. He said, I mean, you basically play everything on the album and, and have you written everything? Just put your name on it. <laughs> so are you so. saying you, you wanted to call it Head Without Eyes because you're, you're you know, kind of shy, even though you are a performer? Um, your natural instinct is to kind of shy away from the spotlight? <laughs> Maybe not shy away from the spotlight, but I thought, <clears throat> since I didn't really knew what it was going to be and how it would work in the future, I'm the kind of person that if I record something, I want to continue do it, to do it. And, you know, if it's going to turn into a band at some point, it's cool to have a band name. But then, then again, I mean, it can be my name as well, I guess. So. Yeah, I think that was a good move on your part to kind of distinguish this uh, album from all your other projects because uh, you do Kamchatka, you do um, King Hobo, and you do Mojo Bone, or you you did Mojo Bone, or you're still that's, doing it? That's kind of shelved, I guess. Um, I did that for many years and put out a few albums, and, uh, and then it, I was so busy with other things I didn't have time to do it for a while there and then it felt like it had to rest <laughs> I don't know I mean never say never maybe there will be something under that name again but it feels kind of exciting to do this now and because, it's a different style of music as well yeah because in Mojo Bone you were up front you were playing guitar and you were singing and uh, so you were in the spotlight I mean you were center stage you have been yeah. in the past. Um, and so this puts you back center stage, but um, yeah, like you said, a different style of music. And I think uh, I've read you describe it as something like a kind of a Swansea kind of project and or, or Talk Talk and Swans is the bands that you dropped. And I, I, I think it's it, it, it has those elements in there. But it's got more of a doomy rock element infused in there as well. Am I wrong? Do you feel that? No, I no. I think I I guess there's a quite eclectic mix of influences, uh, both from like like from the 70s as well through the 80s and 90s, I guess. And uh, the difference is maybe that the music is not written from a guitar riff perspective, which is. Um, like like the majority of music that I've played in my life has has always been based on guitar riffs, um, so it's it's a little bit from a different angle. And since like the bands that you mentioned are bands that I've listened to like like for years and years, and but never really had the chance to explore that type of music with the other stuff that I've been playing with. It's it just. I don't know. It, it, it's it's from a little bit of a different angle, although there's definitely like a doomy rock vibe going on as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's not coming from a guitar riff uh, angle, but there is 
a lot of guitar on the album. Yeah, but this is it. This is might 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 sound a little bit stupid because I mean I totally aware that uh, people, the people that know my name would know it from mainly bands that I played keyboards with. Yeah. But but when I've written music through the years, I'm I'm like most other guitar players. You know, I sit on the couch and just play a little bit of guitar and fiddle around with riffs and and stuff like that. And this album was I decided early on that I was going to try and write the music on keyboards because I hadn't done that for a very long time actually so it was also a cool way to reconnect with an instrument that I haven't used so much when writing actually very interesting I I, I uh because I because I know you from Mojo Bone and I've seen I've seen Mojo Bone live in online. I know you as an all-round musician, and more than just the keyboardist that you know. I think a lot of people know you as. Um, yeah. When they think of Per Weiberg, they think of though the keyboard like the keyboardist, kind of yeah, like, yeah. A, like a dizzy <laughs> reed, like you're like a heavy metal dizzy reed type of figure. But I also know you from the Mojo Bone stuff. I know you can sing your balls off in a rock and roll setting, and you can play guitar as well as, if not better, than any kind of rock and roller in a rock band. So uh, when I heard this album and I heard guitar in it, I and it, it's got your st- name on it, your stamp on it, I wasn't surprised. Um, but I was surprised that now, maybe I'm wrong, but you are on. You do all the instrumentation. Yes, I do, except for drums, because that would be pretty horrible if, <laughs> if I play that. Right. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> that would limit the scope of the music immediately. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and, and uh, I've heard you sing in Mojo Bone, and am I wrong? This is a different approach to your vocals. Yeah, from Mojo Bone. Yeah, definitely. Mojo Mojo Bone was more like a a classic rock or heavy rock kind of um, in in that kind of tradition. Yeah, yeah. uh, Shouty rock and roll vocals. Uh, This is uh, a different, also coming from a different angle because I didn't feel like that would fit really with the with the vibe of this album so it's i like to i try to take it a little bit easy uh, and uh, and maybe go one octave down instead <laughs> yeah it's uh it was uh did you find it a little was it a little scary in terms of these kinds of vocals or freeing um how did you feel doing this style it was uh, it was a little bit new to me. I mean, I've, this is like the range that I've been doing lots of backup vocals in, right? Uh, but but that's a different thing because then you're supposed to to gel with a different person, and you also get the other harmony, so to speak. So you don't think so much about what your own voice sounds like. It's more like you want to be in pitch so it sounds good, like the whole package. But when you when you sing in a different way and, and you, you can only hear your own voice, it's a different story, you know. And 
uh, and I worked a lot with it until I was happy with it. And I think it, I mean, it's it's rewarding because you learned a little bit while recording stuff as well. Um, this is not the way I've been used to listen to my voice so much in the past, if you know what I mean. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing with vocals because especially in the rock world, there's, it's, it's not schooled at all. There's no, you know, like guitar lessons, drum lessons, music theory, vocal lessons. uh, I think a lot of people in rock music tend to shy away from because the, the idea is it will, you'll train the rock out of your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally know what you mean. It's, it's, it's scary sometimes as well when you, I mean, it's the worst instrument, if you want to call it an instrument, to, to do because, I mean, it's a lot easier to, to hide behind a keyboard or a guitar or a bass for that matter as yeah. well. Yeah, and so. I find doing vocals myself, uh, you know, I can, you could play, a, you, could, you could sing, a, uh, you could play a line on a guitar and maybe you're not really satisfied with a guitar solo or or you're not satisfied with a, a chord progression, but it doesn't bother you this as deeply as if you sang a a word in a really weird way. It, no, it will, I know. <laughs> it will keep you up at night. It will just destroy <laughs> destroy you uh, slowly, slowly and slowly, bit by bit. It will destroy you, um, and it's such a very delicate, sensitive thing to do in the whole pr- process of a record that I think a lot of people overlook and don't understand just how delicate it, it really is. Uh, not just as an instrument, but just as a process of, of recording the vocals. So when I heard your voice on the album and I, I was like, wow, this is, there is even a sense of hiding behind a voice, even in the rock and roll setting where you can, you can go, you can ramp it up and you can throat it up or gristle it up. But you, you're, the vocals on here are, are, are you, you're, you're pretty, you're laying it out, you know, pretty openly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know it's, um, it's like you say, like when you're doing like traditional rock vocals or whatever. And, and there's also one more aspect, at least to me, because since, I choose to sing in English, and English is not my first language since I'm Swedish. Uh, you know, if if you do like a cool vocal take in a rock setting, you can sort of compensate for your bad pronunciation with sounding cool at least. But mm. when but, but when you do it like this, a little bit more laid back, you know that people are going to listen to the words a little bit more than only the the wailing or whatever you want to call it. You know. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty brave to do that in the, in this style of, of music. Um, and that, I think, is something that I think maybe other listeners to this album might not zero in on. But as a, another, someone who sings, I always, my, I always, my ears always go to the singing first. Yeah. Um, and then whatever, guitar tone, whatever, blah, blah, blah <laughs> drums. <laughs> So I'm always like I'm always kind of focused on the vocals, and uh, yeah, just knowing your background and knowing you know what the world knows 
what you've done. And then putting this album out, I thought it was, wow, he's taking a step, a real step to the left and really going for it, you know. Um, so I applaud that. That's really cool. Yeah, it feels like, at least it feels like a good starting point because uh, now it feels when I'm done with this album, it, it, it definitely feels like it's something that I want to continue to do, you know, so. Yeah, now... I mean, you do give like slivers. Um, look, when you when you mentioned Talk Talk and you mentioned Swans to me, and then I heard the album, I was like, well, I I could hear the influences, but I can also see how this, you know, this, I don't know if it's a project or you know, just this this album with successive albums can can actually those influences can open up more on successive albums if you know what i mean yeah um, do you see yourself uh even going further you know to the left and to the right taking on an, an album that's even closer to the swans no i don't know it's it's just one they're such a cool band to me it's just one of those bands that i've been listening to since my teens and that's also one of the reasons why they get mentioned in in like the bio or whatever is that because it's also a band that have changed a lot through the years and always were really brave coming from almost like a performance art kind of background and then going into like late 80s pop and then coming back in the 90s and you know it, it they've, they've done so much different kinds of music and still they've always been very recognizable you know you can tell when you hear a swan's song so I, I i think it's a little bit to do with uh like that whole that's been very, very inspiring to listen to listen to that band through the years right you know? and, and uh, i mean that's obviously shitloads i mean you know me i'm a complete music nerd so there's one million of references all the time but i mean those would be like that and Killing Joke and, and mm. Talk Talk and but also lots of seventies music like Can and Hawkwind and stuff like that as well. So yeah, I can hear those I can hear that in the music as well. It's yeah. a, it's a very open open album in terms of like influences. If someone didn't know you and was to hear the album, they would go, Well, this band uh yeah. likes a lot of yeah, like <laughs> comes from a lot of schools of, of, of music. Um, that's why I could, I could easily hear the, like the doomy aspect of it. It definitely lends itself to heavier ears, you know, and heavier palates. Um, so I think you're still, you're still roaming within the world that people know you from. Would you, yeah, yeah would you, would you ever jump into the, you know, the, the cold deep end and, and, you know, move towards a pop kind of uh, angle or jump into the cold lake for, for a really bad reference. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And never come, never be able to come back. <laughs> no, but they came back. They came back. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> and in a grand way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm just going to take it step by step. Uh, my first, First thing is that I want to play live with this, and I'm trying to put a band together at the moment. And uh, it's not going to be, 
you know, like crazy heavy touring from from now on all year, uh, all through the year or anything. But I just wanna, I just wanna start and play live and see how it feels and how it can develop. And I think that'll be really important to what might come next as well. How it how it works in a live setting. You mentioned uh, drums were the only instrument that you didn't play on this album. So who who played drums on the album? Uh, one of the guys, uh, his name is Lars Schöld. He uh, he plays in a Swedish band called Tiamat, and he also played in a band called Avatarium. So okay. uh, do me heavy stuff, and he plays on uh, three songs, and then there's. Another guy, a good old friend of mine called Carl Daniel Ledeen, who plays drums on the three other tunes. And he's also a producer and engineer. So he mixed those three songs that he played drums on. And uh, he's, he's a really talented guy. He worked with, you know, everything from Bloodbath to Cripple Black Phoenix and Victims and, and stuff like that. So. so you've already got, you know, some drummers if you need to get a live band together. Yeah, unfortunately, those two are very busy, though. <laughs> so, <we'll, yeah. laughs> so you're starting from scratch. Okay. Uh, yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds interesting. I think that would be, I guess, the next step is to kind of mount some shows and put a, put a live band together. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, with this album, I mean, you, I can't keep up with what you do and I can't keep up with all the bands that you're in. So what is besides Mojo bone kind of being on ice currently, what, what are the other projects? Are they, are they that are a go and that are kind of on the side? It is. Um, well, apart from this, my solo album, it's definitely Kamshatka. Uh, we trying to write a new album, uh, which hopefully will be out before the end of the year. And uh, we're doing a tour with uh, Graveyard and Clutch in December. Oh, cool. So uh, we've <clears throat> we had a little bit of a break with Kamsatka because Thomas, uh, the guitar player, injured himself. So we started to play shows again last year. And uh, we had a break between, well, all through 2017, actually. And... Uh, he had a work-related injury, and then when he was good, I uh, had a shoulder surgery, so I couldn't play for half a year either. So, so then we got back together last year and uh, played quite a few show, shows through 18 and also in February up until March this year. So time to get going with new stuff, new music there. And King Hobo just put out a record this year, right? Yes, it's being released on Friday, actually, uh, which is Thomas, the guitar player from Kamchatka, and Jean-Paul Gaster, the drummer from Clutch. So it's a, it, it was recorded as a three-piece, and me playing bass on that album, and me and Thomas split the vocal duties on that one. That's, uh, that's a lot of music in one, one year. <laughs> Um, now, when was the last King Hobo album? Because I, I haven't checked in with King Hobo in a, in a while. 
This is the second album, and the first one was put out in uh, eight. Oh, so yeah. It's, it's so like 11 years in between albums. Yeah, I do have that first one. Yeah. Um, and so that's interesting because you're going to, you just mentioned that Kamchatka is going to go out with Clutch and Graveyard in November and December. Uh, is there going to be a King Hobo jam? Um, who knows? I wouldn't be too surprised if that yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, that makes that would make total sense because within the formation, there's like already a band within that whole lineup of bands. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, how did this King Hobo thing get unearthed after all these years to put out a record this year again? Uh, it was actually meant to be put out last year, but since and. It, it's being put out on Clutch, Clutch's own record label. And uh, it was meant to be put out last year, but they had too much work going with their own uh, album called uh, Book of Bad Decisions, which was their last full-length album. Right. So, so this one was... They wanted to wait and put this one out until this year, which is cool with me. Um, it was recorded... A long time ago, actually, and we couldn't make up our minds what to do with it for a while, or maybe it was me because it was around the time that I started playing in Kamchatka, which was in uh, 2013. And so the recordings, they were just lying there. And like two years ago, I told Thomas that we should start and finish the vocals on this because it's cool. It's cool music, you know. Why, why should it be on a hard drive? You know, it's it's let's let's do this and see if we can put it up. And uh, so we finished it like one and a half year ago, and here we are. It's called My Mauya, right? Uh, it's it's actually uh, um, a Swedish word, Mauga. It's called. Oh, Mauga. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah. And that's uh, that's just. Uh, the very the word for seagull in the very particular uh, accent that they speak where thomas comes from okay from the west coast <laughs> okay <laughs> i got it okay um now the one thing i i don't think i've i've talked to you about is it how how did you hook up with jp from clutch in the first place was that through your time with opeth or how did that happen in the first place uh well, we wrote because since I play with Spiritual Beggars as well, and uh, but I mean Spiritual Beggars is not it's active now and then when people have the time, so to speak, these yeah. years, yeah, these days. Uh, but in the I think it was uh, late nineties when I get, when when Clutch they were pretty quick with setting up their own online shop or something and and me and we we ordered some stuff from them and told them hello this is beggars we like what you do blah 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 you know how it goes when you write to <laughs> and <laughs> two people then they sent us some some stuff and and uh, wrote that i don't i don't know who who did that in the band i have no idea i've never asked them actually I, i'm gonna do that but they sent us some shit back and said that, yeah, you guys are cool as well. And, and then after a couple of years, uh, we decided to do a European tour together. And that was in 
03. Uh, we had done an album called On Fire with Spiritual Beggars, and yeah. Clutch had uh, the latest album for them was actually Pure Rock Fury, which was put out a couple of years earlier. So that's we we did a quite a long um, European tour, and then Clutch um, did a couple of Japanese shows with us as well, um, which was really cool and. So that was when when we learned to know each other, really, because we were sharing a bus as well. So. Right, right, yeah. In those situations, you do you do yeah. bond a little stronger than than usual. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you mean to tell me, back in '01, all I had to do was write you guys a letter and just go, "Hey, <laughs> I like you guys. <laughs> I like you guys, man. Can I get some T-shirts, please?" <laughs> yeah. We're cheap. We're cheap, guys. <laughs> I didn't know that that was that. That's all it took, man. Is back in '01. I was yeah. I remember when we 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 hit Europe and you know like playing shows and just people walking around with spiritual beggars T-shirts. I was like, this is insane. This doesn't happen at home, you know? Like, wow. Because we were in Europe and and you know it made sense. But you know, being from Canada, you just it's just not rock no one leads with a rock band on their t-shirt here you know oh, yeah, yeah. unless they get a a ramones shirt at at h&m or something yeah yeah okay. yeah i get it well actually what we did i remember this and this is not just to be nice but the thing that we always played in the dressing room before the show on that on that tour was or backstage was born a lion you're shitting me nope that was uh, that was always on the on the tape recorder or CD player or whatever you know it was always on backstage on that tour. That's insane because I mean I was listening to you guys like around that time I didn't know any of you guys. Uh, I hadn't met Michael, hadn't met you, I hadn't met uh, who was singing in Beggars. Was it? Um... It was JB on that. Oh, okay, that. right. Yeah, I I hadn't met any that if I had only known that, that would have been wow, oh, that would have been super cool to know. Um, I do you know what that just I just thought of is is did you message me like maybe a year ago or something? Were you on tour with Grand Magus or was it Spiritual Beggars? And you sent me a a photo you guys were listening to us in the dressing room or something. Yeah, I was uh, filling in with uh, Grand Magus on bass because their bass player had to leave. Uh, during mid-tour to go ha- home and sort out some family business. So so I um, filled in with them for three weeks on the Amona Mars tour. Yeah, see, I remember that. Yeah. I, I, I remember yeah. getting that. And, I mean, Graham Magus is one of my favorite, I mean, one of my favorite, uh, I don't even know, I, I, I classify them as like a heavy metal band. But they're they just are. one of my favorite hard heavy bands heavy metal bands i mean they're they're uh, yeah i just i, I love it. so getting a, a photo like that from you first of all i was like he's in he's in grand magus now too <laughs> that was my first thought <laughs> my second thought was was oh that's super cool because it's one of my favorite bands uh yeah. listening listening to us after a show is the coolest compliment i think anyone in a band can get so that was really nice to see. Um, and 
now their new album, I believe it's called Wolf God. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Oh, it's sounding really great. Um, but so yeah, you I'm... are not in Grand Magus anymore. No, no, no. You're just no. temporarily. Okay. Uh, I was just helping out during a tour. Right. So, yeah. And you are not in ABBA. <laughs> no. Okay. I've heard that they're going to reform, though. I don't know. With you, uh, uh, keyboards? With you? I mean, you're in every fucking band pair. <laughs> 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 you're like... not, not in that one yet. No. But I mean, oh, how about uh, Candlemass? Uh, that's also, I haven't played any shows with Canvas this year because that's also basically been helping out, uh, because, uh, life, uh, life, the founder and songwriter mm-hmm. of the band, he's been ill for many years. Okay. So, so I played bass instead of him because he, he couldn't tour, but he's feeling a lot better and he's back. So as a fan of the band, I'm very happy about that because I mean, obviously he's the guy who wrote all the lyrics and all the riffs and everything. So he's supposed to be on stage, I think, as well. Right, right. Well, that's good to hear. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. And so, and also um, Switchblade. Yes. Um, not a very active live band, but a very cool band, I would say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, there's, there's also time to record something there. I don't have... Uh, I was talking to Tim, the drummer, the other day, and it's like what what most bands do, I guess. You just have a, a Dropbox folder with new riffs or whatever, and that's starting to fill up pretty pretty nicely now. So I guess it's time to start to put some music together and not only ideas and riffs. So you're officially in Swi- uh, Switchblade? Yeah, uh, I guess so. They can't <laughs> get rid of me. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, th- that's great. I mean, I think it's it's great that out of all these bands, you're still able to have a voice and have uh, a platform to put that voice in, which is this new solo album. Yeah. Um, so that does it, is it? I know it's satisfying, but. Is it like how? What is that feeling when this album comes out? What what is this? What is this feeling that you have? If you could describe it, after all these other projects, after all these other bands, to have this, I was really nervous when uh, when the album was, was being released. I didn't think I would be, uh, but it's a, it's so different when when it says your name on the album cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. At least to me, who's always been like a band guy and for the simple reason that I love playing in bands you know I like I like music to be like a dialogue and not a monologue and I, I like you know you know button heads in the rehearsal room and come up with ideas together and you know arrange things together with someone else because you get so bored with your own musical voice all the time so I was a little bit afraid of you know doing all the instruments on my own and so on, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, so, but I was a little bit nervous uh, when when it was released. Actually, how, uh, how does it feel when did you have uh, another voice to bounce ideas off of? 
a little bit more like on the technical side of things, uh, like with Carl, da- uh, Carl Daniel, who who mixed three songs, and Jonas Schellgren, who also mixed the three else, uh, the three uh, other songs. Uh, I mean, they're really, really good guys, uh, creative and good friends. So it's always good to if you sort of get stuck, maybe more like in a with, with the technical things. Right. Uh, because you just want to get on with recording the music. So they're good at, you know, give you some ideas as well. Because when I tell them, like, yeah, I was going to try and do this and this, and then they tell you that, well, if you do it like this, we have, you know, we can do so much more with it and blah, blah, blah. And then it sort of gives me ideas as well of what to do like with the arranging and, and stuff like that. Was this, was this, for exa- this example you throw out, was this in the studio or was it in the pre-production? No, it's a, I recorded everything. All my stuff I recorded in the uh, rehearsal room, my rehearsal room. Oh, okay. And, so it was an the, ongoing studio slash rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the drums we recorded in, uh, you know, proper studios. Right, so. right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know that's that's uh, <clears throat> it's very interesting, and I think I think you know as much trepidation you may have putting out a solo album, I think the time is overdue for you to do something like that. You've you've you know slogged it out in bands, name bands. You've toured the world. You're, you, you know, whether people know you or not, all you have to do is do a little bit of research and, and, you know, your discography is, is precedes you, you, you know, you, you're a veteran of the scene. So it makes sense for you to put out a solo album at this time. I mean, you're one of the few guys that's, that is, you know, in so many critically acclaimed, vital heavy bands why shouldn't you have a solo album at this point um because i see you know eyebrows get raised when someone who comes out of nowhere is a solo artist yeah it's, yeah. it's kind of yeah. like who the fuck are you man like <laughs> you know like john cougar mellencamp when john cougar came out it's like who the fuck is john cougar why isn't he just in a band you know <laughs> you know what i mean he did a quite a right themselves though yeah he proved <laughs> he proved me wrong i, I mean I, I get proven wrong once in a while but you know <laughs> you know what i mean it's like the, these people come out of like the the mist you know and and proclaim themselves a, a, a solo artist and and i think it's you know people who who have slogged it out in bands and then finally put out a solo album i think it's received uh, like for example dragon Right, Dragon put out a solo yeah. album, and it was it was almost kind of like, well, yeah, shouldn't you have, you know, like five years ago, shouldn't you have done this already? Like it makes sense for you to do it. So um, it's 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 not not you're not a figure out of the mist, you know. So. No, I, I feel pretty comfortable now. It was just it was just one of those things, you know. It, it's a it's a different feeling and you don't know really what to expect since 
it's a little bit of a left turn musically as well. So, but now I feel pretty comfortable with it and yeah, look forward to doing more stuff in the future. Yeah. Again, knowing that you, you mentioned you're like a super music fan and knowing you, you know, behind the curtain. Yeah. You are a kind of crazy, super rock fan. I mean, crazier than, I don't know. I think there was a one time we did a session, you and I, yeah. where we swapped and, uh, <laughs> I, I, all I remember from that, the only impression I had was like, you're really into that? I, th- I think I said that a couple of times to myself. <laughs> He's really into that? Why? <laughs> and that's, that, that is because, you know, when someone is a super music fan, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. So it makes sense. So when I heard the uh, new album, I was like, well... You know, if if there's any left turns, if it's Pear who's making them, then it makes total sense, you know. So if it was someone else, I would be like, what are you doing, man? But <laughs> knowing your, you know, your musical background and your musical uh, tastes, it, 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 it all kind of made, made sense, you know. So, yeah, man, I, 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 I hope this album does does well for you. At least, if anything, does well enough for you to put out a second solo album and, and see where that ends up. Yeah, the, the difficult second album. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I have a feeling this first album was an equal to a second album because you're so prolific. It's just such a, it's just another, it's just another album to, you know, like in the discography, right? I mean, it's, it is, I mean, psychologically, I think it's a bit of a jump for you, but I think to all of us who, who are used to you putting out music, it's like, okay, now it's the solo album. Yeah. No, no I think it, it, it feels good and I'm, I'm really happy and proud of it as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to do more with this in the future. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I mean, I, I wish you luck, and uh, I don't think you need too much. It's a great album, and uh, are you going to be out on the road this summer? We'll run into each other, right? Uh, hopefully, I will be able to play a couple of gigs. Uh, I, I can't. I don't have anything confirmed yet, but hopefully, and if not now, in the fall. And I did want to ask you. You should really, if if you were going to name the project um, "Head Without Eyes," you should you should do a a cover of "Eyes Without a Face." It only makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it only makes sense. <laughs> well, maybe that'll be the next title then, if to stick with the formula, kind of. Yeah, and and pull out a cover like that's a pretty bold cover to do. Yeah. And it's doomy. It could be. It could be given a, a, a the doom treatment. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to, most things can get the doom treatment. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that one especially. I mean, I re, I'm, um, I he's kind of been on my mind because I recently saw him in Toronto, and okay. uh, he was doing a songs and stories show where he would tell a story and then Steve Stevens would play a acoustic guitar and he'd sing it. Oh, ah, cool. It was a really, I thought I was kind of walking into it going, I don't know, but he's, because I didn't know if he was that much of a charismatic person off stage, but 
He's great, man. He held everyone. Nice. And when I mean everyone, I mean like, you know, middle-aged women who loved him when he was <laughs> when they were 14 and they all still have the same crush and he looks the same. So, makes sense. Yeah, but I heard good things about his shows like the last couple of years. It's it's uh they're supposed to be rocking and, and not sloppy or anything like that. It's it's like good entertainment. Kind yeah, of. he's in yeah. he's in great shape. He looks like a million bucks still, and and he's got his voice and uh, all yeah. all respect to him. I mean, sh- shit. He was telling a story, and you know, any time he he'd mention he mentioned uh, what was it Generation X. You know, no one clapped. Yeah. No one clapped. I clapped. Oh, yeah. No one clapped. Everyone's just there because of MTV and and uh, which is fine. There's yeah. you know, and, and then he threw it out to Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens is telling the story about you know going to New York and you know wanting to check out bands like you know James Chance and oh no, I'm the only one clapping. So I stopped clapping after a while. All their all their deep references n- never hit anybody, but. You know, when they'd mention, yeah, and then we, you know, we played with you too. Oh, oh, you too. Oh, <laughs> so, but he's got cred, man. He's Billy Idol's still got some heavy cred, man. Yeah, I think he's, so. Yeah. I, I have a soft spot for Billy Idol, you know. Yeah. I've, I've never had anything against that guy. There's lots of cool songs, I think, through the years. And that's a guy. See how I'm tying this together? That's a guy who, part of a band, broke out on his own, and he he did it he did it the right way, and he still got a hold of it. You know, he still yeah, finds yeah. solo, is what I mean. Yeah. It. I'm 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 happy to hear. I I was just want to talk to people when they put something like this out, like a solo album, or they're breaking out into something new. It's always a yeah. great time to talk to them. So just to hear hear their you know their 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 uh, thoughts and and just to hear how you were you know where you were you know yeah yeah so cool man thanks for talking to me well thanks for for doing it a lot it's well well appreciated and good fun awesome man yeah thank you okay all right all right bye 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 bye. Chase the unbelievers Keepers 
Let's go.